God bless you. You can take your seat this morning as we continue into the Word of God. And as I said, it's a shorter version this morning as a lot of our brothers and sisters is on holiday, it's on leave, and we ask God that He bless them where they are. It's a good time of the year to come together to have fellowship, koinonia. I want to talk to you this morning uh, for a short time about this verse in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. And it is true to say that today is Christmas Day. It is Christmas Day and in Scripture I can't find no Scripture verse actually that is saying that we need to remember Christ's birth. There's none such Scripture. It has become one of the most prominent days in the Christian calendar when people celebrate the birth of Christ. Yet, not even Jesus Christ Himself said that we need to celebrate and remember His birth. So, what do we do with that? And may I also say, this is also not the actual correct day that Jesus Christ was born. The 25th of December has got nothing to do with the actual birth of, of Christ. If you go back into uh, the Jewish scriptures and history and so on, you will find that this day happened another time during the year. So how did we come to the 25th of December? Well, another message again, which is linked to paganism, a paganism day in the old Roman Catholic day. Now before you think I'm a Grinch, I'm going to uh, get all the fun away from everybody. No, that's not what I'm going to do. We can take a lot of nice things out of this day. We do celebrate that Jesus Christ did come into this world. Not on this day, not like the world celebrated. I mean, this day has been hijacked by retail, by commerce. This is the day or the weekend that the world retail is targeting to sell a lot of products to you and me. Why? Because we love to give gifts this time of the year. And no doubt the credit card got a working over in the last month. A lot of gifts. So it's not the correct day. And there's no scripture verse in the Bible that says that we need to celebrate the birth of Christ. In fact, the only scripture verses that we find in the New Testament to remember something is what? Is the communion table the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I find it really fascinating that this day, the birth of Christ gets so much. It is such a big day in the Christian calendar. Where is the time that Christ was dead and resurrected? Not getting as much as emphasis as today. This day do bring joy to a lot of people. I mean, we can just think about families coming together to celebrate a nice meal children running around and there's laughter and there's joy. So there's a lot of joyous things that happen in this world on this day. But it also brings sadness. It brings a lot of sadness into this time of the year. Whilst a lot of people might have money to buy gifts to other people, there's a lot of people in this world today who cannot do that. They don't have money to do the same thing. And dare I say, a lot of people this day won't even have money in their pocket to buy some food, to eat even a morsel of bread, while everybody else who's got money can sit around tables and feast, and feast at what is in this particular day. So it brings a lot of joy, but it brings also a lot of sadness. Just think about somebody 
this day, the first Christmas, going into the first Christmas without a loved one, somebody who might have passed away. And this is a day which brings sadness as well. And this time of the year also brings forth a lost lot of mystical figures. Mystical figures. You think about Santa Claus. Santa Claus, that mystical figure that comes out and parents tell their children, you better be good, otherwise Santa Claus won't bring you a present. And I hope I don't spoil it for children or people in this church. But let me say to you that that is a big lie. And it amazes me. It amazes me that parents tell their children about Santa Claus more, more than Jesus Christ. Who comes and he saves the soul. And parents tell a lie to their children and say, it's Santa Claus is buying these gifts. While it's them with their hard-working money who buy the gifts for their children. Let us be honest about this. We cannot be children of God and then also continue on with telling lies. A lot of mystical things happening this time of the year as well. So, if we think about this day, like I say, it's a joyous day. It's also a sad day for a lot of people. If you open up today a lot of Christmas cards, this verse will be in, I would say, most of the Christmas cards you open. Isaiah Chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. This is what the prophet said back in the book of Isaiah. And they will say, yeah, that's right. That points towards the birth of Christ, and we need to remember that. And again, I want to repeat the fact that there is no verse in the Bible that says that we need to celebrate this verse. Am I going to be the Grinch here and spoiling Christmas for you? No, no, I'm going to take this particular verse. And I want to put this verse back into context for you and still give you some joy today that we can rejoice in our Lord Jesus Christ. And as you know, I do not like in my life to take a verse out of context or just read a verse and build a whole theology around it. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says the following, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Can somebody say Amen. How wonderful is it to read those words about who we know these days is Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Let me give you a few positives we can do. This is the time of the year that we can tell the world that there's a Savior who came into the world. This is the time of the year when people are open up and more relaxed to explain to them what the Savior did come and do in this world. And that absolutely is to come and to save lost sinners, to save their souls. You can always apply three things to the Word of God. Wherever you open up the Bible, there's a threefold application of the Word. There is a local application. That means that this particular scripture verse was written for people back in the day, locally. There was a prophet called Isaiah. The Word of God did come to him. It was addressed to the nation of Israel, more particular to the Northern Territories. 
and the Assyrians was coming to take them captive. So locally, this was applicable to them. So that's the first application. The second one is a prophetic application. So whenever you read the Bible, there's a prophetic application. The Bible is so full of prophecies. And it's futile not to study the prophecies of the Bible. And then there's a third application, a third one, and that is a personal application. In other words, what does that, what does that say to me personally? Yes, it applies to the people back in the day. Yes, it applies to the future. But what about me today, the present? You see, whenever you open up the Word of God, there's always these three, past, present, future. It is local, personal, and then prophetic. And this is the same here. I want the Scripture verse to talk to you and to me today. Having, uh, speaking of a glorious light, and of joy, and of victory of God's people, this verse tells us why this happened. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Now let's go in back and see why that verse was there in the first place. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1, this is where we start. In fact, you need to read the whole book of Isaiah. I feel ill-equipped just to preach this verse right there. And why do I feel ill-equipped? It's not because I don't understand what's going on. I've read it before. But my fear is that there are people sitting here in this church today or listening to this who hasn't read the whole book of Isaiah yet. So that makes us ill-equipped to understand the totality of it. I'm but only trying to make you understand why, why the prophet wrote down Isaiah 9 verse 6, chapter 9 verse 6. But it starts in verse 1, and let's pick it up there in verse 1. He says, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed, as when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. If you fast forward those two times there, you will find that is what was called in Jesus' day where the Samaritans lived. You remember John chapter 4, the lady at the well in Samaria? That's the land he's talking about there physically. Anyway, I continue. And afterward, more heavily oppressed by her, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So what the prophet says, first of all, he talks about the light. Who's the light in our day and age? We know. We know the light in our day and age. It's Jesus Christ. It says it in John chapter 1 verse, uh, verse 1 to 1 verse 14 that He was the light who came into the world. So, first of all, He talks about this land, the land of Zebulun. He talks about the Galilee of the Gentiles. John chapter 4, it's where the Sumerians was. But if we put it in a local application here, it talks in that day, that day, the people and with the Assyrian army approaching on them. And calamity was coming to them. Darkness was coming upon them. 
and they were living in the land of a shadow of death. You see that? How would it be to live in the shadow of death? Constantly fearing. Constantly worrying. Now let me give you a personal application this morning. There are people today living in the land of a shadow of death. Constantly worrying about tomorrow. Constantly fearing. Can you see that it it could be us as well sitting there? And there's two action words here. Look at this. They walked in darkness. Walking is an action. That talks about the day-to-day activities. To us, there's people today who's walking in darkness. And then he says there's who dwelt in the land of a shadow of death. Now there's a difference between walking and dwelling. What is the difference? Walking, you can, you can disposition yourself. You can move on. But if you dwell there, that's a permanent state. There are people who's in a permanent state in the land of the shadow of death. Fear, worry, and they are sitting there. And now the prophet says there's a light that came in. He says the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. You see, they've seen the great light. John the Baptist said, looked at Jesus. He says, behold the Lamb of God, the one, the one whom I'm said, I'm not worthy he proclaimed the light that came into the world. He says, those who dwelt in the ladder, upon them a light has shined. You see, we can break it down. They've seen the great light. And then he says, upon them a light has shined. I really find it interesting if you read the Bible when he plays around with the tenses. So the first thing the prophet talks about is the light. Secondly, he talks about joy. Remember, this is a people who's in captivity by the Assyrians, but there's a joy coming for them. Now look at verse 3. He says, you have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. You're going to see, we're going to bring all of these lines together just now in a, in a few minutes. And then he talks about victory. Verse 40 says, For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of the oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. So he talks about a victory here. So we've got three things here light. We've got joy, and we've got victory in those first verses. Upon a people who were sitting and dwelling in a land of the shadow of death, who was walking in darkness. Now the question is, what is the reason for this light, this joy, and this victory? You see, light... In John chapter 1, verse 1, like I said, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word came and lived in this world. In verse 14, he says, He came and lived amongst us. In verse 4, he says, In Him was light, and that light was the life of man. And joy. What about joy? If we compare that to Jesus Christ, he says, John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And what about victory over sin and death? Again, 
What is the reason for the light, the joy, and the victory? And that's when we come to our verse. You see how it comes into context? It's not just a verse we can grab out and put into a Christmas card. It is not a verse, no, 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 there's much more joy behind this. There's much more victory behind it. It says, for unto us a child is born. Uh, John 1 verse 11, he says, He came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, he came, he says, and this is, this is a Jewish prophet writing it to the Jews locally back in the day. He says, for unto us a child is born, unto the Jews. He says to them, child capital letter, that points towards Jesus Christ. He says, unto us a child is born. If you can imagine yourself, these people sitting in captivity, in darkness, the shadow of darkness, fear, trouble, worries, and then this word comes to them and says, unto us, a child is born. Now we're sitting so many years in the future, and we say, unto us, a child was born. Is it right? No, he still is born. Every single day to me, dear friends, is the birth of Christ. I don't have to wait for the 25th of December. He lives in my heart. He's alive. You know, I find it also interesting that when we have a birthday and we celebrate a birthday and we come up here, do we go back to our birth photos, our birthday photos, or when we were born, our baby photos? Yet every time we celebrate Jesus, they go back to his, when he was a baby. There's something behind that. We'll talk about that at some stage. He says, unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. You see that? And I want to bring this out to you. He says, and to us a son is given. In Isaiah 7 verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That is why the Bible is true. It did happen. But the point I want to make here, it is a male. It is a son. There are people in the world today who wants to change who Jesus is, who God is. They want to say that God is a female. And they want to say, look, this, all these funny things, the devil comes with a lot of lies. No, a son is born and he's given. He is born and he is given. If you give something, it's already done. You see, this prophecy was even before Christ was born, and he says he was given. It was already settled in God's mind. And then, let's continue on now. He says, and the government will be upon his shoulders. The government upon his shoulders. This will be fulfilled in the millennial. You see, Jesus Christ did come to this earth. He was born, but they rejected him. But he will, the government will be physically upon his shoulders. I absolutely believe that's what the Bible teaches, that he will come back and he will rule in Jerusalem. He will come back. When Jesus Christ will rule the earth as a king of kings and a lord of lords, and you should shout hallelujah at this point in time. He is the one who's going to come and rule. Go and read Revelation. Uh, when he comes back, the second coming, 
And He's going to come back with His saints. I believe in the rapture of the church. We're going to go be with Him and come back with Him. And He's going to set up His kingdom in the earth. And He's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. And His name will be called. His name will be called. Now, when He says in that verse, His name will be called, it is not literal names of the Messiah. I mean, if I say wonderful to somebody today, it's not God's name, although here He says He will be called. But this points towards the aspects of His character and describe who He is and what He has come to do. That is what this describes. He says He will be called wonderful. The Hebrew word is pele, which means miracle. It means it's a marvelous thing. It means it's a wonder. Isn't that who Jesus Christ is? He's wonderful. He's a miracle. He's a miracle maker. And you know who He is? He's marvelous. He's a marvelous thing who came upon this earth. Not a thing, a human. He's a marvelous God that came to this earth. He's a wonder and the world still wonder. He's a counselor, the word says. Wonderful counselor. That comes from the Hebrew word yats, which means to resolve something. When people come to Toki and myself, Leone and myself, for counsel, we can't give them anything. We can't. We're human beings just like anybody else. And over the years, there's so many people who came for counsel. And the word counsel means is to resolve, to put it into order. And we can't put anybody's affairs into order. No, we can advise them. But you know what we do? We take them to the mighty counselor. Our counsel is through the word of God. When people come and sit down, we say, look, we are just a signpost. Let's introduce you to the mighty counselor. And it means to resolve. And then he says, mighty God. That means powerful El. That word El is the first word from Elohim which we find in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, Elohim. Elohim is a three-part being. It is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And he says here, he is a mighty God. Do you understand how mightyful God is? He created this universe, and he's got your whole life in his hands. Everlasting Father. That means without end. Prince of Peace. You know what Prince of Peace means? It, the Hebrew word there means he's the captain. Captain. And peace means shalom. So he is Captain Shalom. Not what Hollywood dishes up, Captain America and Captain Mighty. No, no. He's Captain Shalom. He is the captain, the captain of your peace. Only if you make him that captain. If you're the captain of your own life, you won't have peace. So there we have it, dear brothers and sisters. We have Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. So while I say, I rejoice, I rejoice every day. And this is a wonderful day to tell the world that there is a Savior who came into the world. If you go back and you read all of these things about this particular day that happened in the world, you'll be horrified. But why bring a horrified message to the world? than to tell them about a Savior who came in, who is wonderful, who is marvelous, 
Who is a counselor that can resolve all the problems of the world? Who is a mighty God, a powerful El? Who is the everlasting Father? And above all, who is the Prince of Peace? I want to show you something beautiful out of all of these. In our day, if we do a local application, if we look at this in our salvation and apply our salvation to this passage here in Isaiah chapter 9, you will find that we also were lost and living in darkness of sin. We were also living in or dwelling in the land of the shadow of death. Death has a power over you if you are still under sin. We were lost in darkness. And then what happened? That marvelous light, Jesus Christ, shine into your dark heart. And we can also say, I've seen the light. There's a man that sings on the gate, J.C. Dixon, he sings, I've seen the light, I've seen the light. The marvelous light. The first thing that happened to you and, you and me when we got saved is we see the light, Jesus Christ. And then what does the light bring into our lives? Joy. Salvation brings joy. I know, I know everybody's looking for joy in the world. But there's only one place you can find true joy, and that's Jesus Christ. And there's only one way you can find true joy, and that is when the light shines into your heart. You see, this is the path of salvation. This is the gospel. And then once the light comes in and it brings joy, it gives you victory in Jesus Christ. That's what I celebrate today. You know what I celebrate on this day? I celebrate the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus Christ. He is my high priest. It is not just sitting around a little tree and giving out gifts and jumping up and down about a day that the world has hijacked. May God bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for this message. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you, Father, for your prophet who spoke, Isaiah, back in the day. I thank you, Lord, that when those people were sitting in, in the dwelling, in uh, the shadow of death, and they were walking in the land of darkness, that you saw them. You saw their needs, and Father, you applied. But Father, you just didn't take them out of trouble, because trouble will come back again. No, no, you gave them the light. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government of this world will be upon his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful, Wonderful. How wonderful is our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Counselor. The one who resolves everything in our lives. What a wonderful counselor he is. Mighty God. The powerful Elohim. The powerful God with us. Everlasting Father, a Father without no end. How wonderful this morning, Lord, to worship the Prince of Peace, the Captain of our peace. 